Oh, you can do better than that. We're celebrating Jesus today. Woo! He's been good, y'all. Not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the living God. He's done what he's done in this place. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. Um, if you don't mind, there's a group of people you need to really thank, and that's the, the staff and the volunteers that make this thing work. Will you help me honor them today, Beth? Please, family. Yeah, they've done a great job throughout the years, and I'm deeply appreciative of that. Uh, for those of you who were here year one, year two, year three, those of you who were here during the hotel, um, when you didn't know what was going to happen if we're going to pick up snakes in that hotel, you still showed up and you still served. For those of you who are here, when your kids had to, we didn't have enough space, so we had to um, rent uh, school buses to have our middle school ministry on the school bus driving around Allen and McKinney. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for um, trusting God and following even when it was uncomfortable. For everybody that was here before we got into this building, when we were in the Little House on the Prairie, all the way to the hotel, from the hotel to Little House on the Prairie, um, I want to thank you. Will you help me honor those men and women and their faith, everybody? Yeah. Yeah. All right, before we get started today, um, I want to I I remind you of why we do what we do, okay? Um, when you go through a situation, you need to ask God, what, what was that for? You need to just seek him. Sometimes he reveals it, other times he does not. Uh, one of the big lessons that this church learned during the pandemic was that we did a poor job of equipping parents to disciple their kids. And so we're fixing it. That's why we spent money to buy this book to give to every family that represented in this church, everyone. But you only get it if you're in person. If you're not in person, you don't. You have to buy your own copy. But um, if you're in person, some things you get when you're in person, some things you don't. Anyways, uh, so that's why we're giving everybody one. Now listen, in this book, it teaches you about God, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus, about what reconciliation is, all of that. It's all in this book. It's a catechism. That's what the Roman Catholics used to do, they still do, where they're teaching you the, 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 the theology of the faith. Well, we have not done that, but now we are. This is 52 weeks of lessons for you to disciple your kids. That's what this is. Then, then our staff wrote this one, which is a compliment for it. And so while this gives you what you should talk about every week, this gives you what you should talk about every day. So now you do not have a reason, you don't have one, why you're not discipling your kids. We've given you the resources at a steep cost. This is free.com if you're in the house, okay? But you go see how much it costs. Anyways, uh, and we're giving you this because we want to prepare you for discipling your kids. So that if another thing comes later on this year or next year, you can disciple your kids at home. Will you help me thank the staff that wrote this? And the leaders that invested in you. Good job, everybody. Good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Now, um, uh, we're, we're, we're going through this. And the reason why we are, we are um, going to three services is for two big reasons. One, to create more room so that we're not all packed in here, which is why there are people in the atrium today. Let's hear it for everybody in the atrium. Come on, let's hear it for them. Yeah. 
but there's some of y'all that need to go to another service in the name of Jesus. You need to go to the 8 o'clock, get up and come to 8 o'clock, or stay till the 12 o'clock. Cowboys playing next week on Monday, so go to the 12 o'clock and not the 10 o'clock so that we can have guests come to the 10 o'clock and regular folk go to 8, 10, or Saturday night in the name of Jesus, okay? So that people don't have to fight for parking. They don't have to fight for none of that. So the reason we're doing it, and we're doing it, it's a 10-week test, by the way. We're doing it for 10 weeks. That's one, to create more space for y'all. But more importantly, we're doing it because we have to kick kids out of the student service. No, that's a good problem to have. When kids want to come to church, and too many of them show up, and you got to kick them out. So the reason we're doing it is so that they can have room to um, to fill it out and still be okay, and we don't have to remove kids from the student building because it's too much. Now, the building we're building is going to take 10 more weeks to get done. While we do that, we have a 10-week trial of one service on Saturday night at the Plano campus and three on Sunday. But some of y'all in this service need to go to 8 and to 10 and get up out of 8 and 12, and get up out of the 10 o'clock service in the name of Jesus. Just a gently rebuke. I love you. <laughs> Woo! Anyways, anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today, everybody? Come on. All right. Um, I hope you enjoyed your little self for them little 10 weeks that I wasn't here. Hope you enjoyed it. We promise that we'll always bring somebody that can deliver the word of God. Were you fed while I was out, everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they did a great job. Um, lastly, will you help me, before we get to work, will you help me thank my friend, your executive pastor, for leading us so well in my absence, Pastor Matt Anderson. Great job, my friend. Love you, buddy. Incredible, incredible, incredible job. Thank you, sir, for your leadership and for leading us. By the way, I love it because when I wasn't here, y'all keep building that building. I wasn't here. Y'all bought a brand new building in Garland off of, off of 35 and 121. And so in January next year, we're going to add another campus because, watch it. No, no, no. You don't know. You're not, you're clapping for the wrong thing. Uh, we're going to add another campus and you did it all when I wasn't here. Here's what that means. You, that means that it's not driven by a man. It's driven by a body. Now that you need to thank God for. Come on, somebody. You ought to know when to clap. You ought to know when to clap. Praise the Lord. All right, let's get to work. All the treat is over. All the little... Anyways, that's all done. Let's get to the Word. So please stand. Let's read the Word of God on today. And let's see what He has to say to us on today. I got a word for you. Let me tell you how in this church, how we go about discerning what we should teach on. Whenever we see darkness reigning in a particular area of life, we go to the Word and then shine the light of the Word on the area of darkness. That's what we do because my Bible says the gates of Hades will never prevail against God's church. So my job it is to see where it looks like Hades is winning, darkness is reigning, and then provide the word to shed the light and say, we ain't scared of you, devil, get the heck up out of here because this is God's territory. Now, don't say yes yet. Because I'm going to preach a sermon today that the devil has got all of us. In a moment, you're going to hear, but I'm just going to wait a little bit so you can see where the darkness has been shining. 
All right? Let's go to the Word, see what he has to say, and then you'll, we'll see if you clap at the end of this. Here we go. Um, oh, by the way, in, in here we read the Word of God. So if somebody beside you is not reading, just slap, just tap them and tell them uh, that we need to read. If you're outside, if you're at home, if you're on the couch, get up. Stop cooking. Stop, stop eating uh, brunch and, uh, and stand up for the word and get dialed in. We're going to the word of God. Okay. This ain't, this ain't entertainment. This is the word of God. Okay. So here we go. Come on, somebody, everybody read. Here we go. When he got into his disciples followed him and behold, stop. I've taught you this already. Whenever you see the word behold, it's a surprise. It, it should be read like this and behold. So say it with me. And you got it. That's how it should be read. It's a surprise. Okay, here we go. And behold, there. Hold on, hold on. There's too much packed in this one verse. I arose a great storm. There's some of you right now that's facing a great storm. You're facing a financial storm. You're facing a relational storm. You're facing a, a location storm. And my question for you is, is God still alive and well in the midst of your great storm? But then the text continues and it says, but Jesus, in the midst of the storm, you have a but. In the midst of your storm, you have but, say it with me. But. One more time, but Last time, but I don't care the storm you have today. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he's, he's given you his Holy Spirit that's within you, which means he has prepared you for the storm you're going through. No, disciples, you should have known that. You should have known that, that he has already prepared you, and it is simply a test. Come watch it with me. Next verse. Here's what it says. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are. Anybody feel like you're perishing today? What you need to do is just look at what Jesus is doing. Whatever he's doing, mimic him. If Jesus is chilling in the storm, you should say, Jesus, move over. Let me chill too. That's not what they did. They focused on the storm instead of focusing on Jesus. And because they did, the text says they were terrified. Fear gripped them. And now, listen, they gave the storm more power than the storm had. Because they said, listen to what they said. Now they said, they came to the conclusion that this storm is going to determine my destiny and what ultimately happens to me. No storm is that powerful. Because you have a God that determines that, not a storm. Come here, let's go. Let's see what it says. So they said, save us because we're perishing. Here we go. Everybody read with me. He said to them, why are you? Look at your neighbor. Don't touch them. Don't speak into their nostrils. Just say, why are you so afraid? Tell them. Come on, if you're on the outside, tell them. If you're on the couch, say it to yourself. Self, why am I so afraid? Here we go. You men of little faith. Read it with me again. Then he... And rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became. You see, you're too familiar with the passage. You're too familiar with the passage. What you mean you're going to get up and speak to the wind and speak to the sea? Who the heck are you that you can say, hey, wait, hey, 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 buddy, wind, 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 wind. Can you calm down, please? Hey, storm, 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 storm. Hey, just chill, man. Not now. Do it later. Not now. 
How, who are you that you can just talk to nature and it listens? Who are you? Who are you that you can just talk to it and it ceases from raging? Next verse. Watch it. Next verse says, the men were... Stop right there. Uh, if you read another translation, it says, you'd be like, why am I standing so long? It's okay. We're reading the word of God. You're almost done. Um, if you read earlier, it says they were terrified at the storm. Now they're going to be more terrified. They were fearful. Now they were more fearful. Originally, it tripped them up that the storm was going to kill them. Now they're even more tripped up because God just quieted the storm. They Watch this. They moved from fearing a thing to now reverencing a who. They move from a thing to a who. The more you focus on your who, the smaller your thing becomes. So if your thing is still large, it's because your who is small. But if you increase your who, then your thing will become small. Am I talking to anybody today? Read it with me now. And said, what is this that even the winds and the sea? This is a question you should ask yourself every day. What kind of man is this? Think about that for a moment. Every day you should say, what kind of man is this that he would want to give me his Holy Spirit to live inside of me? What kind of man is this that he would graciously allow me a new day to get up and to walk on this earth? What kind of man is this that he allows me to partner with him to pull off his glory and what he wants done for himself? What kind of man is this? See, when you don't ask that question, then you say, what kind of storm is this? When you don't ask that question, then you say, God, how could you allow this storm? When you don't ask that question, now you want to blame the thing instead of worship the who. But when you know who the who is, then everything else stays in perspective. Woo! All right, let's finish it up now. Let's finish it up. So here's what he says. The men were amazed. Now they had more faith in God than they had in the storm. So much so that they said, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Look at your neighbor and say to them, you can't scare me. You may be seated. Father, will you guide us now with your word? Inspire and educate us so that we are believers who walk by faith and not by sight. Identify the things in our lives that, are, that have grown too big, that we have given too much power to, and help us to enlarge our visions of who you are so that the who always, always, always is more powerful than the thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. There's a little nursery rhyme that in my house we say Jamaican style. So if it doesn't sound like yours, it's because we've added and embellished it a little bit. Okay, it goes, it's about three little pigs. You know the story. It goes like this. There are three little pigs that wanted to make a fortune and wanted to be safe. These three little pigs decided that they'd build three houses. One of straw, one of sticks, and one of brick and mortar. So there's an enemy, an adversary, that wanted to devour these pigs. 
So the adversary says, okay, I'm coming to your house. You know the drill, say it with me. And the, 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 the wolf said, little pig, little pig, let me in. To which the first one that was built with straw says, no, sir, no, sir, not by here of my chin, chin, chin. So the, the big bad wolf huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. So then that pig went to the third pig's house and chilled inside of it. Then the wolf went to the second pig's house and the wolf said, hey, man, uh, little pig, little pig, let me in. And the, the pig of the, the house made of six said, no, 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 sir, no, sir, not by the hair on my chin, chin, chin. So the wolf said, okay, no problem. I'm getting in. So he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house down. Then he went to the third one, built with brick and mortar. This is a seasoned pig now. Because the seasoned pig know that I got to create an environment so that this, this, this adversary can't get to us. So he did. So the wolf comes now and say, little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chin, chin, chin. And he huffed and he puffed. But he could not blow that house down. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to suggest to you that just like those pigs, we have an adversary who is seeking to devour us. We have an adversary that the Bible says is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. No, that, there's good news in that phrase. He is seeking to devour, seeking who he can devour. Here's the good news. That means there's some people he can devour and there's some people he can't devour. That's good news for somebody because what he's suggesting is if you build your house right, then the enemy can't fool or mess with you. The problem, however, is if you don't, then he can mess with you. So today I want to shed some light on what's happening in our culture because I think we are creating and building houses of fear and not houses of faith. Ladies and gentlemen, I think very subtly, this enemy, he's so masterful that he has allowed some things to come into our environment. And so all of a sudden now, Christians who know the who is still fearing the thing. Now, let's get to it a little bit. Now, he's, he's so slick with it. He's not just trying to tell you, uh, be fearful. He is, he is masking it around some things that we, that we treasure a lot. Now, there's a difference between fear and the spirit of fear. Uh, fear is an emotion. Fear, when I get to the edge, I got to be, whoa, I might fall over. So I'm, I'm careful. The spirit of fear says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to the edge. I'm going to stay right here because I don't even want to risk any possibility of me falling on the ground. Here is the spirit of fear. This is fear. This is the emotion, which is, which is okay. But you can't make every decision based on fear. Okay, you're not feeling me. Um, I don't like dogs. Many of you know this. I hate dogs. Uh, if you don't like, don't send me no email. I'm fine. It's my issue. It's my baggage from my past in Jamaica. In Jamaica, when you're riding your bike, they'll run. Them little uh, mongrels will run after you and snap at your heels. And so uh, I just don't like dogs. I got bit early in life. I got two injections in my butt. And so I just don't like dogs. I don't care if they're little dogs. Dogs. I don't care if they're big dogs. I don't care if they're dogs in your house or dogs on the outside. I don't care if they're little poodles or I don't care if they're German shepherds. I don't care if they're bulldogs or why I don't care what kind. It don't matter. I don't like dogs. If I'm coming over to your house, 
put them dogs up. I don't care how sweet and how kind that dog is. I don't care. I ain't coming to your house unless them dogs in the garage. If your dogs don't go in the garage, I ain't coming in. I'm staying out and we having, we having dinner on the, on the parking in the, on the outside, on the carport, however you are. That's where we having dinner because I don't like dogs. Unapologetic. I don't like dogs. I didn't realize how much I didn't like dogs uh, until I went to walk. Every now and again, I go walking, and in my neighborhood, everybody loves dogs. Everybody got a dog. So much so, y'all are trying to tell my son to get a dog. He ain't getting no dog. If you don't, if you want to leave the church over that, God bless you. <laughs> Anyway, come, come, come. So, 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 so the other day I went walking, and while I was walking, I saw a, a, a dog owner and a dog coming toward me. Fear says, okay, let me just walk on the other side. A spirit of fear says, I'm going to alter the direction that I, I was going this way. When I saw that, I didn't even go on the side. I just turned around and said, I'm going a different direction. And I went a different direction. I ain't making this up. This is absolutely true. Watch it. Come here, come here, come here. Fear. Fear is when, when you see a dog and you say, okay, here he is. I say, hey, little doggy. Okay, cool. Well, two days ago, I'm walking and there's a guy that has released his dog from a leash. And he's playing frisbee with his dog. So he's throwing it and the dog is running. <laughs> running again. <laughs> God bless you. Let me tell you what I did. Dog off a leash. I am not going to be the frisbee. So I am, I am altering the course. And I am going in the other direction. Because no dog will ever bite me again. There's a difference between fear and the spirit of fear. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. But yet still, I believe we are way too many houses with Christians living in them that are building their houses on fear. Way too many. We don't even realize it. That's what makes it so subtle. We don't even realize. We're going around life and we're seeing this thing that's happening. And then all of a sudden, it's crippled us. And now we, don't, we can't move because it's crippled us. I want to speak against that lie of the devil. And I want to expose it. That we do not live by fear. We live by faith in Jesus Christ. Now. No, 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 no. Some of you sophisticated ones be like, well, well, you can say anything you want to say. I'm going to live by fear. Okay, okay, no problem. No problem, no problem. Let me tell you why the enemy is so good in his deception. Because he doesn't just come out and say, you should fear everything. He just subtly throws things into a culture. Just subtly throws them into a culture. So much so that you don't even realize that you're crippled. It's like the other day. I'm teaching my son how to, how to get rid of ants in our home. So there's some ants in the grass. He says, Daddy, there's another mouth. There's another mouth. Let's get it. Let's get it. So this is what my son does. He comes by and he kicks it and he knows what to go. He go get some bait and he, and he, and he spr- after he kicks it, he sprinkles it all along this little white powder and all of a sudden they start going and then, and then in a, literally in about an hour, no more ants. The problem is, in about four days, there's a mound about six feet 
from the last one that he thought he killed. The devil is so smart, he's not going to come and kick it over to make sure you know he's attacking. So what he does is he doesn't disrupt anything. If you really want to take care of the man that you see in your house, you don't disrupt it. You just sprinkle it on it without them knowing. Because when you disrupt it, they go in defense mode. When they go in defense mode, they go tell the queen, queen, we're under attack. Let's burrow a hole over here and then we'll stay for a little while till they forget about us. Then we'll start building again. That's because you alerted everybody that danger was coming. When you don't alert them. And when you let them stay all settled and you just sprinkle a little bit and then you just chill. Now what they do, I'm teaching myself, what they do is they'll take it to the queen because now they think it's food. And when they take it to the queen, over time, the queen eats it, the queen dies, the whole colony dies, and then you're good to go. No more ants, at least not in that location. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what the enemy has been doing. He's been teeing up some things and just gently passing them along. He's been saying, yeah, you don't have the economy. I mean, we've been doing too good. It's going to tank now. It's going to tank. So this is the time to be fearful. Hey, man, I don't know what's going to happen with your job. So this is the time to either get another job. So if they fire you from this one, you got another one. Hey, man, I don't know about COVID. Let it cripple you. Let COVID cripple you so much that you do nothing. You can go nowhere. But you still go to parties with your friends, but for sure not church. You still go to brunch but not church absolutely not let's leave it alone no 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 don't go all the way on the other side nobody is saying you shouldn't have protocols nobody is saying that you shouldn't wear my all of that's appropriate but nowhere in the bible does it tell you to ask the question is it safe here's what the bible tells you to ask the question is it right why have we been so used to now asking the question is it safe Instead of asking the question, is it right? Because here's what the Bible says. Here are the questions you should ask. Is it right? Is it noble? Is it of excellence? If it is, then do those things and think on those things. But in the church world, the only question we're asking now is, is it, say with me, safe? That's because subtly we're building our houses on something called fear. So let me, let me walk with you and let me show you where we're headed. So um, there are two houses. I'm going to build one today and one next week. I'm starting with the one that's the wrong one today. So many of us are building our house and it's being built with the motivation of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Yet still most Christians live just like the non-believers and are living based on, say it with me, fear. So here's the challenge. The problem when you start with the motivation of fear is... Now you have a foundation that answers this question. Your foundation now is this. You now have a foundation of this word. Come on up here, Pastor Matt. You now have a foundation of safety. Now, every time you come, you have to ask the question, is it safe? Is it safe? Your kids can't do nothing because it's not safe. You're trying to protect them from everything. And so they're not developing faith muscles. They're not developing trust in God muscles. They're not developing any of those because you try to protect them from every little thing. But the teenage years is coming when they don't want to hear from you. And they're going to do it and explore it themselves. And if not by you, and if you don't allow them, it's going to come through their phones. And so the question is not... 
Is it safe? The question is, is it right? That's the question we should ask it, not is it safe? Now, the challenge with all of this is I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people in the burbs. So you are masters of safety. You are masters of a nice 401k. You're masters of a nice house. You're masters of a nice pool at the back of your house. So because you have all that, now your only question is, God, the only thing, the only thing that can disrupt what you have is if something happened to you, which is why always you're talking, is it safe? 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 Not realizing that you're building a lifestyle that does not need God. Because you're always asking, is it safe? And nowhere in the Bible, nowhere will you find, is it safe? Here's why. Because if you ask that question first, then you're going to say to God, not even you can tell me to do it because it ain't safe. See, if we started that when we were a church, when we started this church, we never asked that question. We never asked, hey man, is it going to be all right? Nobody got a salary. First three years, nobody. All we said was, we had God's word. We had his vision. He will provide the rest. We did not ask if it was safe. We did not ask if it was the right. We, we asked if it was the right thing. Is that what he wants us to do? And once it was, then we said we're going to go. So we didn't wait for the bridge to be built. We stepped out on faith. And then the bridge was under us when we took the step of faith. There are too many Christians that are waiting for God to build the bridge before you step out on faith. And God is saying, if I told Abraham that, he wouldn't have left Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the new territory I would have given him. If I had told Daniel that, he would not have boldly walked into that lion's den because he was not thinking first, is it safe? He was thinking, God has spoken, it has settled it, and I am walking in the will of God to what he's calling me to do. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a generation of Christians who are not living like the rest of the world. We're supposed to live like people who this is not our home. Our home is with God in heaven. But we have people that have made this our home. So you're trying to build the biggest thing you can build right here. And you can impress most people that you can impress right here. Only to realize that they don't care one rip about you. Not one rip. But you're still trying to impress them. So when you start with safety, and that's what you're building it on. Is it safe? 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 Then you get to questions like this. You get to questions like, hey man, um, the blame game. You remember Adam and Eve? Adam asked a safety question first when he sinned. Adam said, uh, God says, hey man, why did you eat from it? The woman made me do it. That's what a lot of us still do. Relationally, we choose safety. So now, you, you, instead of having a tough conversation with your spouse, you choose to be silent because you know where it's going to go. You shouldn't ask the question, is it safe? You should ask the question, is it right? If it's right, then let's go through the tunnel, baby, and let's talk about it, even if it means the next two days going to be tough, but I'm not going to ignore it. Why? Because if I ignore it now, another issue going to come up the next day, and another issue going to come up the next day, and another issue is going to come up the next day. And if all of it, all the time I'm keeping it safe, I'm playing it safe, then ultimately you're going to come to a point where you say, I don't like you no more because you have added up the amount of things that has happened wrong that you never addressed. That's what happens when you ask safe. I'm wondering, are we building a church based on fear? Are we building marriages based on fear? Are we building work environments based on fear? 
Are we building homes based on fear? Are we parenting based on fear? Leaving the who out. Leaving God out and we don't even know it. But that's not where it ends. It starts with safety. But then it goes to the second one. Since you're trying to play it safe, now you have to appear as if you know what you're doing. So the second one, the roof of the house is appearance. Because now, please don't miss this. Because now you have to, you have to exaggerate to stay. Do you know why so many people get into debt? Because they're trying to keep up with some people that couldn't care a rip about you. Let me show you how it looks. So now you say, I want to go into that house. You know you can't afford a house. But you're going to make a way. And then you put God on it to justify it. Oh yeah, God showed me I had a vision of this house. You don't have a, you don't have a paycheck for the house, but you got a vision for the house. So all of a sudden now, I need to, I need to, yeah, it's my dream house. I got to get it, I got to get it. Well, here's the problem when you get that house. The people who live in houses like that, they got lawns that are perfectly manicured. So now you don't have to just pay for the mortgage. Now you got to pay for the lawn too. And then they got cars that match their house. Now you can't drive the car that you used to drive. Now you got to upgrade the car. So before you know it, you're going to go bankrupt trying to live and keep up with people that don't care about you. All because you're trying to create appearances because you're trying to hide who you really are. You, 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 ever, see, you ever see these families? They go on Instagram and they... I want to see a family or a person that take an Instagram picture and they're in the blanket and they tore up and they say, life sucks. <laughs> oh, no, no more. Life just sucks. Ain't nobody putting that out there because what we're trying to do is to present a look that we're really not sometimes. That's the danger of it. You try, because of fear, you want everybody to think you have it all together even when you don't. Ladies and gentlemen, It's masterfully designed by the enemy to simply allow you to say, I'm going to live by safety and I'm going to put out something better than I really, really am. I'm going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to exaggerate the truth to keep up the lie from hiding who I really am. That's what fear does to us. But then it doesn't stop there. Now you need two walls to maintain it. You need two. I promise you this is happening in our culture. You need two walls to make sure the roof stays up and the foundation of safety is intact. So since you need those, here's what you do. You're not going to like this. Now, I told you I was going to like it, but God bless you. Um, here we go. The, two, the first one is materialism. So now you got to have the money to make sure you can maintain the roof. To make sure you can keep being safe. Ladies and gentlemen, this cycle happens over and over. And you're setting up a world where you don't need God. Here's what the culture says. The culture says, we want justice. We want peace. We want joy. We want it all. But we don't want it linked to Jesus. We want to say we can do it on our own. Ladies and gentlemen, let me serve you notice. Apart from Jesus, there can be no authentic, genuine peace unless Jesus is on. Up in it. Listen, please. The stock market is going to go up and it's going to go down. You don't live by fear. 
You don't. And so whether it is you just go regular payments into your 401k or whatever, that's what you do. But you don't try to time it. That's what the rest of the world does. Well, Pastor, you know, I got a skill, man. I'm a skill real good. That's why you can't sleep at night. Because of the fourth one. And then I'll talk about these two together. Because of the fourth one. You know what you're really trying to do? You don't want God to be in control of your life. You want to be in control of your life. Come on up, Pastor. You want to be in control of your life. So now, the second wall is power and control. So now you want to control everything. You want to manipulate everybody. You want to treat people with silent treatment. You know you do this. Here's what we do. Uh, we give people the silent treatment when they don't do what we want. So we just write them up. Don't, don't talk to me right now. Don't laugh because some of you are the opposite. You just scream to get your own way. To get your own way. Either way, you're trying to say, God, I don't need you. I'm going to make as much money as I need because I don't need people. And I'm going to control my whole life because I don't need people. And God say, here's my commandment. Here's the whole Old Testament. Love me with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. What this sets up is for you to ignore the greatest commandment and for you to live by fear so you're safe. For you to have the appearance of everything together and then use uh, materialism and power to control it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how most of America is living now. They just don't realize it. Here's what the Bible says. Not so with you. Because in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the uncertainty, you've got a God. His name is Yahweh, and he is in control of everything. The storm, how much money you have, does not determine your destiny. God does. And if you think I'm lying, let one cancer cell enter your body and all the money in the world cannot fix it. You need to go to your who and not the thing. All that has to happen is let something happen to your kid and all the money in the world you got cannot fix it. What fixes it is you trusting Jesus that if I'm present, I'm good. And if I'm absent, I'm still good. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleading with you because this is where the enemy is thriving now. He is thriving in the culture of fear. Not so with you. You have the responsibility to live by faith. Next week, we're going to build a house. We're going to build the one that God calls us to live in. But right now, I wanted, I want to dissect it so you can see it clearly that this is how most of us live. This is it. Whether you know it or not, this is what's driving us now. That is why you lose sleep so much. That is why you lose friends so much. Because they're not getting you where you want to go fast enough. So you're going to use them and discard them until they get you where you want to go. And you don't even use You can't love money and God at the same time. You're going, I promise you, you can. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't. I, Pastor, I've tried it and I do. I love, I love both of them. This, this, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. This one plagued me so much in the first part of this year. Because the first part of this year, I struggled with it. Jada, Jada one day just said to me, how many podcasts are you going to listen to on money? How many podcasts? You want to listen to the billionaire podcast. And then you want to listen to uh, uh, a rich dad, poor dad podcast. And then you want to listen to, and, 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 and she, just, she just, hey, hey, hey. One day she got me up and said, hey. I noticed you put on that podcast. Have you? 
Have you opened the bread of life yet? I said, no. She said, you think there's a problem with that? She said, I know, I know, I know what you're doing. You're trying to take care of the family, make sure the family's good. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But you think you can do more than God can? Do you really, have you really bought into the culture and what it's purporting? And I didn't even realize where my heart was going. That's my concern for you too. And I'm pleading with all of us just to examine, am I driven by fear or am I driven by faith? Am I placing too much faith in the thing and not the who? Let me tell you why you should place more faith in the who. Go to Psalm 23. Let's see if we can land this ship. Go to Psalm 23. And let me remind you of your who that walks with you every single day. And then we're done. Here's what Psalm 23 says. The text says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Here's what David is doing. He's seeing how he's taking care of his sheep. And he's saying, if I do that for these sheep, that's what God does for me. Here's the good news of verse 1. It means when your enemy comes in, listen please, it means you don't fight your battles anymore. It means you say to the enemy, enemy, excuse me, not equipped, but he is. And you step in the back seat and you let God do what he does. Because God says, I want to fight your battles. But when you love power and control, you say, God, I don't need you right now. I'll fight my own battles right here. Verse 1 says, the Lord is present forever, my shepherd. Therefore, whatever I need, he's going to provide for it. Whatever I need, he's going to provide. Even if it don't look like he is today, he's going to provide for it. Because he takes it on himself. Verse 2, watch it. It says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. What does that mean, pastor? That means the Lord your God knows what kind of waters you need to be around when you need to be around it. If it needs to be still and if it needs to be like glass, he'll, he'll allow you to reflect there. If it needs to be raging, he'll prepare you for the raging water. Because he says, I'm your shepherd. There's nothing you can do that I'm not all around you protecting you and caring for you. That's why you trust the who and not the thing. He continues. Watch what he says. Next he says, next verse. He restores my soul. I could stay there all day. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Here's what I mean. This is such good news. It means even when you want to do foolish, he still leads you in the path of righteousness. Do not sit there and be quiet like that. Even when you're heading to the fool's house that you shouldn't go to his house and and you're talking to him and the phone dies in the middle of it. That was God saying, you know, you have no business going in that direction. Let's go in this direction. That's how much your God loves you. He says, I'll guide you. In the path of right. I'll lead you in the path of righteousness. Because he loves you. If your God loves you that much. Why would you trust the thing? Instead of trusting your God. He continues. He says for his name's sake. Next verse. He says even though. Say this word with me everybody two times. Even though. That's not everybody. Even though. Last time. That's not everybody. Even though. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice. You walk there. He didn't, he didn't lead you there. You walk there. But here's how much your God loves you. When you create a mess for yourself, God says, I'm going to be with you in your mess. You cannot run out of my grace. I'm going to be right there with you and I'm going to take you out. I know I have a couple witnesses that know what it means to be in the middle of a mess. And God say, this is mine. Don't trust this one and walk you out of that messy situation. 
That's how much your God loves you. That's why you can trust him. That's why you reject the notion that the world offers that you live your life on fear. But you live it on faith. He continues. He says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow, I will fear no evil. You can scare me, devil. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Not because I'm good, but because God's with me. Your rod, that's what he used to defend off lions. That's what he used to defend off anybody that's trying to hurt me. And your staff, that's what he uses when he's trying to pull me out of mess I created for myself. They comfort me. Next verse. Then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The people that hate you is going to marvel at where he has you. When the haters come, the people who stab you in the back, the people who say, I can't stand them, they think they all that. Them people, when they hate your guts, God says, I still have you there too. Because I'm going to set the table. I'm going to put the knife and the fork, the plate. I'm going to serve you a meal. And they're going to look and say, I shouldn't have left them. I shouldn't have broken up. I shouldn't have dissolved the marriage. I wish I still had her on my team. God says, that's how much I love you. Because in front of your enemies, I'm going to show you off. No, 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 no. Not for you to brag, but for you to point them to the grace and the mercy of God. I ain't done. Come here. I said all of that to get to this point. One thought I want to share, and here it is. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. You see, you miss it. You have anointed my head with oh, let me tell you what the, let me tell you what the shepherd does. Shepherd would go before and 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 uh, uh, eye out a place for the for the sheep to be. He'll go and scour every inch of it to make sure it's safe, and then he'll allow the sheep to graze there. The problem is the reason why he, one of the reasons why he has to anoint the sheep's head with oil is because he wants to make sure that even if he missed a snake, the oil that he put on the snake on the on the on the sheep's head is a snake repellent. So even when the snake tries, one that he missed, when he tries to get to you, he gets so far and has to back up. He gets so far and has to back up. He gets so far and says, oh, I want to go, I want to go, but can't. Because you have such a good shepherd that knew what might happen in the fields and protected you from stuff that you don't even know. That's the God you serve. The reason... The reason we're rejecting this house, the reason we're doing it is because we're saying, God, you've been too good to me for me to, for me to allow the world to laugh at me as if I have no God. So I will not fear anything and I will trust you. You cannot build this house, family. You cannot build this house because if you do, you will be just like the pagans who serve no God. He ends it by saying this. He ends it by saying, hey man, Surely, goodness and loving kindness. If you're a black good preacher that's going to preach, you'll say surely four times. Surely. You'll hold the mic like this and then you'll put it up. And you'll say, shh, surely. But I got another service and I need a voice, so let's go. Um, surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Watch it. Here's what he says. For the rest of your life, goodness will follow you. For the rest of your life, he said, loving kindness. Whether you want it or not, it's following you. Because he loves you that much. You are his sheep. You are, he is your shepherd. And wherever you go, those two will follow you everywhere you go. You don't have to build a house like that. You don't have to always ask, is it safe? 
Because wherever you are, he's there with you. That is why you ask, is it right? It's not a bad question to ask, is it safe? It's just not the primary question. The primary question is, is it right? Because loving kindness will follow you. And then he says, lastly, then he says, lastly, um, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So watch it now. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That's, that's why you live. But even when you die, he says, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in the present and in the future, he's covered you. Now, why would you trust? Why would you fear anything else? If God says, I have you now and I have you later. You're protected now and you're protected later. I got you the whole life journey. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I got to go. My son and I, my son and I is playing, trying to teach him the game of chess. I'm playing with him. And um, earlier this year, he said to me, Daddy, I think I, I think I got you now. I've been practicing on the computer. I think it can beat you. I said, let's roll, buddy. So we're playing the game, playing the game, playing the game. And at one point, he says, checkmate. So I looked at the board table. And I said, hey, buddy, you, you, you might want to look again. He said, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. Checkmate. So I said, no. You said, you want to say check. He said, no, 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 checkmate. I said, no, you want to say check. He said, dad, what's the difference between checkmate and check? I said, son, when you say checkmate, the game is over. Pack the box up. It's all done. The enemy has won. It's over and there's nothing else you can do. But when you say check, what that really means is the king has one more move. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what you came in here with. You need to tell the enemy, you don't scare me. Because you're in check. The king has one more move. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen, 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 listen. Listen. We're going to serve notice on our culture. That when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, we don't have faith in a thing, nor do we fear it. We have faith in God because he is our shepherd. And we're going to live differently in light of it. We don't ask primarily, is it safe? We ask the question, is it right? Father, will you help one community church? All of our campuses, all of our global audience, will you help us not live by fear, but live by love inspired by faith? Will you allow that to be normal in this house? That we don't just follow what the culture tells us, what social media tells us, what the news tells us, but we follow what your word says to us. Will you raise up a generation that, like you said to Joshua, be strong and be courageous. 365 times you say in the Bible and you repeat the command, fear not. Will you raise up a generation of people that dare to believe in the who more than the thing. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, give God a round of applause. Give God a round of applause. Give God a round of applause.